with me the book of Psalms. Psalm 80. Started reading there in verse 3 of Psalms chapter 80. Psalms chapter 80, we'll start reading there in verse 3. Before we get to that, I, uh, those that know me here today would never challenge me on my patriotism to my nation. I will tell you today, I will die for my country. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud of my veterans that have protected my freedom. I've never had the opportunity nor the privilege to serve my nation as a soldier. But I thank those that have protected my freedoms in that and what they've endured for it. So I'll tell you this morning, I love America. But the question I asked this morning, and as this passage of Scripture asked, what will America do with God? What will America do with God? there with me in verse 3, the 80th chapter of the book of Psalms. Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer of thy people? Thou feedest them with the bread of tears, and givest them tears to drink in great measure. Thou makest us, uh, maketh us a strife unto our neighbor. And our enemies laugh among themselves. Turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine. We shall be saved. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt and hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Thou preparest room before it and didst cause it to take deep root. And it filled the land. And the hills were covered with the shadows of it. And the vile thereof were like a, god, a goodly cedar. She sent out her boughs unto the sea and her branches unto the river. Why hast thou then broken down her hedge so that all they that pass by, uh, by the way do pluck her? The boar out of the woods does hate, uh, waste it and the wild beast of the field devour it. Return we beseech thee, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and behold and visit the vine and the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted and the branch out of thou madest strong and hath said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. First of all, Lord, I confess to you of what I am, and that's a sinner. And Lord, as I confess those sins before you, Lord, I'm thankful today that you've given me something that I'd never be able to earn. That you've redeemed me through Jesus Christ with your grace. And I'm thankful today to be saved. And I'm also thankful today to be an American. I'm thankful for the way that you've watched and cared for America. And Lord, I pray that you now move in our midst. I pray that we make much of Jesus this morning. I pray that heaven comes down. I pray that your Holy Spirit, he moves in a great mighty way first in my heart, Lord, opening me up, humbling me before you, and that your word this morning would penetrate my heart, that you would change me in ways that I could not ever imagine. 
that I'd be exactly what you would have me to be. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross this morning, that I would be effortless, as that you are exalted. You move. We welcome you into our presence as you move amongst us. In Jesus' name, I ask it. Today, America is in trouble. If you haven't seen that, you've missed a great big picture here. America is in a, a great dilemma today. And I'm going to tell you where it stems from. You can say, well, it's this cause and this cause. Well, I'm going to give you the truth of where the cause of America's problems are this morning. Our country is in a, uh, is in a moral and sinful free-for-all is where the problem lies. That's it. There is perversion on every corner in which you turn in America today. But I want you to see something that happened. This, this passage of Scripture was written to Israel. It was about Israel that God had pulled them out of the Egyptian bondage where they were enslaved people. They had no choice. They had no freedom. And he put them, he uh, picked a place for them. And when God picks a place for you, when he puts you somewhere, he also will protect it. He's just not going to send you and leave you on your own. You know, he, he prepared a place that was flowing with milk and honey. He prepared that place, and then he put a hedge around it. But then we see that God took it down. What happened? It says that God took the hedge down, and the hogs and the wild beasts were moving in and destroying the nation of Israel. What's this talking about? Chapter 80 is a prayer for national revival. It is a prayer that is being sent out for a spiritual restoration is being called for here. Look there again with me in verse 3. It says, Turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Boy, that's the answer to it, isn't it? I mean, that's the answer to this problem that is happening here. And as we know, this passage of Scripture of God's Word is talking about Israel. But I want you to see this morning how it is so much like America today. It's like America today. So first of all, I want you to see that there is a great national despair. Look there with me in verse 4. O Lord God of hosts, how long wilt thou be angry against the prayer? Hold up here a minute. How long are you going to be angry against the prayer of thy people? So, this passage is telling me that God can be angry about a prayer that I have? That's exactly what it's saying. How long are you going to be angry against the prayer of thy people? This is part of this national despair. They were praying. This is how they was praying. God, we want you to bless us greatly. In spite of our spiritual neglect to you, you still bless us. In spite of our lack of fellowship with you, you keep bringing your blessings upon us. In spite of the filth of the sin that is in our heart, you keep blessing America. You're a big Santa Claus. We'll call on you when we need you, and you keep blessing. That's what happened. See, today in America, we have this time that's set aside as a national day of prayer. We even go back to 9-11 when I saw the 
by twin tires as they fell and a great despair fell upon America. Remember that day? It was horrible, wasn't it? And we had politicians, we had those that could appear on TV and they'd all get on there and start saying, Lord, just help us. Lord, just bless us. But not one time did I hear anybody cry out say, God, forgive us for what we've done and move back in. We'll focus on you and trust in you for it all. Did you ever hear that? That's the prayer that God honors. The other is the prayer that just keeps saying, God, you keep giving. You keep giving. You keep giving. And we'll recognize you when we want to. That's the prayer that brings anger to God and his people. Prayer without repentance is an insult to God. That's a little rough, isn't it? No, that's what God said. Prayer without repentance is an insult before God. Not only will he not answer it, it will anger him. That's a fact. So let's look what happened when he got angry about it. Let's look what happened. Look there in verse 5. Thou feedest them with the bread of tears, givest them tears to drink in great measure. Hmm. See what happened here? Sorrow will always follow sin. If you seek sorrow today, just keep living in sin. If you seek sadness today in your life, just keep living in sin. If you desire suffering in your life, just keep living in sin and you'll reap it. Israel desired those things and that's exactly what they got. They desired to stay in sin. They desired to make their own way. They desired to do whatever they felt to be right. And they were sad, sorrowful, and suffering in it. Not only is there sorrow, there's also a shame that comes with it. Look there in verse 6. Thou makest us a strife until our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. I'm going to tell you what today. You take a neighborhood and everybody has an opinion and they're split. These people have an opinion of this and those have it of that. and These have it of this. And I'm going to tell you something. You do not have a right to an opinion. You may be saying, hold up here, preacher. I'm an American. Let me tell you something. You do not have a right to opinion because God's already spoken. I don't care what somebody thinks, and you shouldn't care what I think. We should care about what God said. See, and that will put us on the same page. But you see, neighbors are differing in every aspect of life. There's one saying this, the other one's saying that. No one's on the same page. You know why? Because we hadn't went to God's Word and got on the same page. So everybody has an opinion today in America, and it brings shame. You don't think that this world isn't looking upon America and laughing about how we look? Of course they are. We're despised. Oh, they love to see the controversy. They love to see the despair. They love to see the shame. They love to see the sorrow and the sadness and the suffering. We're laughed at today in America. So that was the great national despair. But also, now we have a glorious national Design. God has designed a way for a nation to be. 
So let's look at that just a minute. Look there in verse 8. Let's see what happened. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt and hast cast out the heathen and planted it. You see, God planted the nation of Israel. It was God's design. He had it all set up for them. He had the plan all laid out. Now, they fought it the whole way. It cost them uh, coming out of Egyptian bondage. It cost them those years in the wilderness of uh, wondering that they never made it into the promised land. Then they had the opportunity uh, before that to uh, move into that land, but they had that grasshopper complex. Just wasn't big enough to do anything. It cost them. But then God still in his forbearance and out of his love still had it designed for Israel to be there. He planted it. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I believe God had planted America also. We've been too greatly blessed not to have been planted by God. Today, our forefathers, we can look back and we can study uh, what these men thought. Now, I'm going to tell you today, they were not sinless because they're not Christ. They had issues, and today you will see that uh, what happens is so many people uh, come in and they start attacking the character of our forefathers. You know why? Because they are heathen. And they want them to look a lot like them when they don't have the intelligence of half of what they have. And they try to make their lives look so bad, but our founding fathers put forth a plan, and they understand in writing the Constitution of the United States that the Constitution of the United States does not guarantee or give freedom. It guarantees that we are to have it. God's the one that gives freedom today. The reason that you and I have a right to be in God's house today and stand here without any concern of reproach is because God ensures freedom of mankind. The Constitution just backs what God says. Our forefathers, those pilgrims, as they come forward, they came to America, they were seeking religious liberty and freedom, and they found it. In America. You know why? Because God gave it to them. You ever thought why the United States has never had a king? I can tell you what the thought of the pilgrims and our forefathers that come through and built this nation. You know why? This was their thought. Our king is the ruler of heaven. We'll just depend on him. We'll just trust in the true king of kings. We'll just rely on that king to carry us through. Our forefathers believed in the, uh, in the separation of church and state, but they never believed, they never thought that we would misscrew it in such a way that it would be a separation from God and government. They didn't think we'd be that stupid. That's what's happened today in America. That's what's happened. Israel was divinely planted, but it was also divinely prospered. That's what's happened in America. Look there in verse 10. The hills were covered with the shadows of it, and the uh, boughs thereof were like uh, goodly cedar. She sent out her vines into the sea, and her branches to the river. What's that mean? It was divinely prospered. There is no way that anyone can say, well, you know what, God sure been hard on America. We're as greatly blessed as any nation that's ever come to this land. I still believe that the United States of America is the best nation in the world. I still believe that. Don't get me wrong. It's my nation. But I do know we're in trouble today. 
There's some problems that need to be corrected today. God has given the United States uh, of America, has given us prosperity. What do you think that prosperity is for? Why has God so blessed the United States of America? It's for His glory and for His honor to be used, isn't it? That's the reason that it's happened. Do you know why America today is said that we can feed the world? Do you know why we have the resources that we could literally reach out and feed the world although something's went wrong, we can't feed our own? Do you know why we have the resources that we can feed the world today? It's so that when we're feeding the world today that our branches will reach out and it will share the gospel as we feed them. Do you know today the reason that uh, the medicine has, uh, the medical field has such progress and that we see our uh, hospital systems, we see the medical care, we see the nursing homes, why it's prospered in such a way? (coughs) Do you know why the God has blessed us with uh, intelligence to increase in the way of the understanding of the human body. It's where we can deliver that medicine, where we can deliver that uh, care here and abroad. But you know why we're delivered out there? It's so those branches can reach out, Brother Joey. It's so when we go in there and say these children have cataracts because they don't have enough to eat, and we send eye doctors in, we send medical doctors in. The reason that God has done that is so those branches could reach out and in sharing or in giving to them glasses and medical care, it's to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we prosper. It's to share the gospel. America has Also, we see that Israel was divinely protected. Look there in verse 12. Why hast thou then broken down her hedges, so that all they which pass by the way pluck up? So you're telling me that when God brought uh, Israel out of that land of of Egypt and he carried them across the Red Sea and he uh, uh, carried them into towards the promised land and even when they rebelled he he carried them through the wilderness then he carried them past Jericho then he carried them into that land that was flowing with milk and honey that it also devised a plan to protect them yes that's what I'm telling you they were divinely protected you see the hedge protected the vineyard America has been greatly protected during war. Agree with that? We see very, uh, we've had just few times that we have seen the enemy attack on this soil. This morning in Israel, they're concerned about something blowing up right now. You know why? Because of the way they've done God. Because of the way we have done God, he has removed a hedge of protection from us. Do you believe that? Now, I don't fall in here with all these other preachers to say the reason we have the tornadoes is because God uh, uh, done it. I don't. Although he is in control of it, he allowed it to happen. 
but I believe a lot of the problems that America is facing today is is because of our standpoint of what we view God in and how we look towards Jesus. And God has decided, well, if you don't need me, I'll just withdraw my protection from you. The hedge I'll bring down, you defend your own borders, and I'll let it play out. Israel's first line of defense was and you know what America's first line of defense was God God now I will say the mightiest military might this world has ever seen to this day is the United States military if they show up it's going to get bad I'm going to tell you what, out of all that we possess militarily wise, I'll take God every time. Just leave the hedge. So then comes when the hedge is down is a great national danger. Great national danger. Look there with me in verse 13. And the boar out of the woods doth waste it. And the wild beast of the field doth devour it. Isaiah chapter 5 talks about the hedge around the vineyard. When it comes down, the vineyard is destroyed. You see, God founds a nation. He designs a nation. He'll protect it with a hedge. He, but something, when he puts a hedge around it, you know what he expects out of that, Brother James? He expects fruit out of it. He expects fruit. And if no fruit is produced, you know what he's going to do? Quit wasting his time and pull the hedge down and just let the hogs have it. And I'm going to say something about this. I don't know if you've ever seen it. You would much rather goats get in your garden than two hogs. And there's a reason for that. We're going to look at that in a minute. So if there's no fruit, God removes the hedge. Woe unto those who call evil good. <coughs> we have endorsed perversion in this world today and called it an awful thing, haven't we? We have targeted the poor to hurt them and we've called it the lottery. We have neglected the needy and called it self-preservation. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We've killed our babies and called it pro-choice. We've not disciplined our children and called it building self-esteem. We've cried out for more government and it's political slavery. We've coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted our airways with profanity, pornography, and say that it is freedom of expression. The hedge has came down. So what is this great national danger? Look there in verse 12. Why have thou broken down her hedges so that all that which hath Today we are being robbed of resources all around America today. You say, well, how's that? Because somewhere along the line, people have decided they're not going to work and we're going to reward them for not doing it. 
Somewhere along the line, we've watched so many commercials and someone tells you something's free. Let me tell you, there is nothing free in this world except God's grace through Jesus Christ unto salvation. You can't get anything free when you buy a car. You're paying for it. You can't get anything free when you go to Walmart. The sack you take isn't free. But somewhere along the line, this laziness that has come upon America that people think things are free. <coughs> there are people all around uh, today that have a free cell phone and think that it's free. <laughs> Somebody's paying for it. AT&T didn't say, you know what? We just feel so bad for these folks that don't have a phone. We're just going to give it to them. That did not happen. Somebody's paying for it. And our resources are being robbed today by the burden of people. When the word of God says a man doesn't work, don't eat. Pretty clear. That's not Old Testament. That's new. It's being robbed today. But then there's the danger of corruption. Verse 13 says, And the boar out of the woods doth waste it, and the wild beast of the field doth devour it. See, a hog's different than most grazing animals. A goat gets in your garden, now he's going to take it down. But you know, you could go back out there tomorrow and you could replant it. But when that hog comes through it, it's done. Whether it be fruit trees or whatever it is. You see, a hog is not only content with eating the fruit, but the hog wants the root of the fruit tree. He wants to take it all out. That's the corruption. America has become corrupt and vile. The root, uh, the hog wants to devour it all. You see, the true hog, Satan, what he wants to do, he wants to target America where he can destroy it from the inside. You know where that starts at? If Satan can destroy the home, he will destroy America. It's a fact. It's what happens. When he moves into the home, and we see so many forms of child abuse today, Calvin, we are so blessed. You go by and look at the nursery in which we have here. They're full. We are greatly blessed at Calvary Baptist Church for what God has given us in little ones. But if the only time your child hears anything about Jesus Christ is at Sunday school or during the worship time, my brother, father, you fail then. And it is the greatest form of child abuse that there is is when a home has a, uh, kicked God out of it. There's never no regard for anything that God has. Jesus is never spoken of. And they are uh, robbed of the very pleasure and the benefits of knowing who Jesus Christ is. That is child abuse. They make sure they're going to attend all the uh, uh, social events they can. If Jesus is not in it, it's all for naught. It's a waste. You know, in America, we are a proud nation. I have to watch our pride. I also, being American, I have to watch that. I've worked with other nationalities of people. I've had to watch that. 
And we big to say, you know what, America's number one. We all like to watch the Olympic ceremonies, don't we, when America wins and see our, flag, our colors come down and see that national anthem play and that man standing or that lady standing right in the middle. That we like to watch. We may even pull up and see how many medals we've won just to make sure that we're beating everybody. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I believe America is number one. Don't get me wrong. We also were number one in killing babies. We're also number one in divorce. We're also number one in these new age religions that are springing up everywhere where they worship the creation rather than worshiping the creator of it. Somewhere along the line, people think, well, we're going to go to church so we can get a concert. And then what happens, the preacher will stand up there after 45 minutes of music, people standing up, jumping and everything else. He stands up there, never cracks God's word, and gives you something that's not out of God's word for 10 minutes. And they think that they've went to church. Well, you've missed it. The foundation of the church that God has set forth is the preaching of the gospel is where it starts. Without that, you have nothing. It's the gospel that's to be proclaimed. You can sing till your face is blue, but it's going to be the gospel that wins. That's where it's at. But boy, people love to go to church. Here all the time. Well, we're going to go because we like the music over there. Well, you just go on. If that's what you're going for, just go on over there. You may say, preacher, that's kind of rough. No, that's just the way it is. If the gospel is not interesting to you, stay at home. Wasting your time. We were sent here this morning. We were to prepare our hearts for worship. You believe that? This morning we were to prepare our hearts for worship through the song service. Praise God. But then also the preaching of God's word. The preaching of God's word was we were to ask, say, Lord, I want to worship you. And I can't worship you unless the Holy Spirit comes upon me. Unless he does something within my heart. Reveal yourself to me through the moving of God, the Holy Spirit in my life. That you will be worshipped by me today. That's what church is about. That's what church is about. Worship. Somewhere along the line. We've got, well, you know, if the preacher goes 35 minutes, I'm going to just be honest with you. That clock back there means nothing to me. Except I watch how long the song service took. I'm going to tell you, that's it. I'm going to preach what God's laid on my heart. And as I've said before, there are thousands upon thousands of hundreds of thousands of preachers today that can preach the gospel better than I can, but you won't find one preaching a better gospel than I'll preach to you this morning. The problem in America is people think that they went to church when uh, they've sat there and watched a man and they slept and thought about what all is going on tomorrow and he stood up there and he never used God's word and it was 15 minutes of powerless words that were used. That's the downfall in America today. So no wonder prayer is out of our schools and policemen are in them. No wonder the Bible's out and the Ten Commandments and rape and murder are. No wonder that creation is out and evolution is in. No wonder that corporal punishment is out and disrespect is in. Verse 16 tells us about what happens when the hedge comes down. Look, the hedge, it's burnt with fire. It is cut down. 
God shows up, the head is taken down in judgment. What will America do with God today? And what will Calvary Baptist Church do with it? You say, well, preacher boy, this has been pretty doom and gloom. But see, that's the great thing about the word of God. It's given to sinful man that is doomed. But there's always a blessed hope in it because it works with Jesus. Is it too late for us? Let's look there in verse 14. We can return. We beseech thee, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and behold and visit this vine and the vineyard which thy right hand hath planted and the branches that are made as strong for thyself. See right there, verse 14 says, look down from heaven. Here's the hope. Here's our hope, Calvary. Word of God says, look down from heaven. Well, when God looks down, you know what we're to do? Look up. See, that's the response. When God looks at you, you look back. When we start looking up, we'll get confessed up. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of things need to get up. America today. I believe that God's people need to start looking up and we'll get confessed up. Then we'll start getting stronger in our faith. And this passage talks about it. I believe today that uh, we need revival in America. Need it in Arkansas. We need it in True County. We need it in Monticello. Well, I say this. We need it in Calvary. We need to be revived. We need revival. Let me say this. God does not have to route revival through Washington, D.C. You know where God starts revival? In the heart of one of his children. That's where revival starts. In the heart of a child of God, that's where it starts. And then the church comes together and that great reviving starts moving in God's people's heart. Then we'll start looking up and we'll get confessed up and we'll start getting right with God and you can see a difference in America. But not only that, we need to speak up. Look there in verse 17. Let thy hand be upon the man uh, of thy right hand, upon the son of man whom thou madest strong for thyself. So will not we go back from thee. Quicken us, revive us, and we will call upon thy name. We will call upon thy name. Well, it's time for us as God's people to quit being those secret disciples that you just see of Joseph the Barimathea, remember he was a secret disciple. Well, what it was actually saying, it, it just made it sound better than it was. He was a tyrant. He was a spiritual tyrant is what he was. He was that one when something was brought up about Jesus or he heard something said about God that he just said, well, I just let God judge that. I don't want to stir no pot. Sure can't afford to lose my job over something about Jesus. tell you what, when God starts reviving our hearts, we'll start looking up and we'll get confessed up and then I'm going to tell you what happens here as a result of that. You'll start speaking up. You'll get such a joy in your heart when that heart gets revived that you'll tomorrow at work, you may be in the break room and you may just say, hey, would you let me tell you what my Jesus has done for me? When those issues come up and we know that they're contrary to the word of God, we take that spiritual stance and say, well, now I'm going to tell you something on that. Don't say that's what I believe or my opinion. Just say, well, God says this in his word. But take those stands to speak up. Let me tell you what God's word says. 
and also we'll start standing up. Verse 18 says, so will, uh, so will not we go back from thee. Quicken us. We will call upon thy name. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. It is long overdue for America to stand up. Most of these things that this uh, lamestream media tells you, being a bald-faced lie and make you think you're the minority in what you believe, standing in God's Word, is most of the time 100% wrong. They push an agenda on people, make you think that you're over here in a corner by yourself. That's a bald-faced lie straight out of hell. But I'm going to tell you what, when we get revived, when we get uh, looking up and we get confessed up and then we start speaking up when that heart is where God would have it I tell you what you'll be capable of doing when the whole world stands against you you'll be able to say let me tell you what my God says and I will not back up from it for too long we've been tired thinking that we're the minority and even if we are Calvary God demands a stand up on his word the world may come against us but I will follow God's word and mold it and apply it and use it for my life. That's what I will do. What will America do with God? Okay. What will Calvary Baptist Church do with God? praise you this morning for your grace and your mercy it's beyond my understanding but I'm so proud that you've given it to me Lord I lift the church up to you Lord I pray that I would be the pastor you desire me to be to them that I'd get looking up and confessed up and I'd speak up and I'd stand up I'd not compromise on one thing. That I'd hold true to your word. That I'd seek your will and your pleasing in my life. That you would be exalted through my words, my thoughts, my actions. So Lord, you have your way during this time of invitation. You move as you see fit. We ask this in the name of our Jesus.